be like, you got two seconds to repent. These guys are firing on you. But for whatever the providence is, this man is getting time right now to repent. And I'm going to be playing a video from the family that forgave him. But you see, we could poo-poo all over self and do whatever, you know, but God still loves us. But he wants to teach us. You know, it's cool and it's, it makes sense when I'm changing my baby's diapers. But I wouldn't want to change Daryl's diapers. You know, if I had to change Daryl, Daryl, raise your hand. I can only imagine what your stool would be like. Come on, it would be nasty. I would be having to go in there with the mask and a shovel and go, oh, dear Lord. Now somebody might say, hey, hey, you know, what if he was handicapped? Yeah, that's one thing, you know. But he's not. He's a grown man. He could take care of himself. God knows what each one of us are capable of. And he wants us to do it. But you have to understand that no matter how good we ever become, I've been a Christian now 20 years. My dad remembers before I was a Christian. Don't ask him for too many stories, okay? But he remembers. But God has loved, God's love for me has not changed at any time. When I was at the worst of my sin, high school dropout, doing drugs, when I was breaking my family's heart, to today, being a great father of four children, a pastor, all these things, God's love never changed. Because it was always based on who he was, not in who I was. His love was always based on who he was, not in who I was. Do you understand that? Parents base their love in who they are, not who their children are. Whether their children act bad or good, parents are still going to love them. Amen? And then we get to this cool uh, acronym here for grace, G-R-A-C-E. You can look at grace this way, God's riches at Christ's expense. Someone had to pay the price for our sin. Sin has to be judged. It's not okay. It's not okay to sin, whether it's your lies, adultery of the heart, lusting after women you're not married to, or the opposite sex, or the same sex. All these are called sin. God only blesses the union of a man and one woman together, dedicated to the rest of their life. That's the only time sex is blessed. And when sex is done like that, sex is the best. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Don't try to lie to me. I've looked at pornography. I lived out some of those things as well in my own personal life. I'm ashamed of it and had to go get to the clinic a couple different times as well. Hey, it's your pastor up here. Don't get embarrassed about me and my testimony. It's mine. Amen. But don't try to tell me that that brings happiness. I know it doesn't. My wife and I have been happily married, and we haven't, need to go, we haven't needed to go to Sybaris. We haven't needed to do any of these wacky things. It's our love that keeps us together. And if anybody saw the, the, uh, the Facebook, we did 10 things for our 10-year anniversary. Amen? Amen? Praise God. They're all on Facebook, and the 11th one couldn't go on Facebook because that's between her and I. But I want to tell you that it's good to be married, and it's good to love your husband, and it's good to love your wife. That's the only way it goes, right? God had to take my perversion and do something with it. What do you do with the violation of our acts of wickedness? Put up the picture of the cross, please. Where does it go? Who pays the penalty for my wickedness, my thievery, my lying? Who pays the price, sir, for your selfish ambition, for your envy, for your jealousy? Christ paid the debt. Woe is the man. And to be pitied is the person in here who thinks Christ did not pay your debt. Well, I wasn't as bad as Pastor Joe, so Jesus didn't have to do that for me. Woe unto you when you think that way because you have a devastating disease of your soul, and it is called self-righteousness, and you have been blinded by your own good things, and you don't know who you are without that man. All of us have sinned. All of us have gone astray from God. If you don't believe me, ask your wife, husbands. They'll tell you your faults. If you don't believe her, go ask your parents. They'll tell you what you were like as a teenager. 
And if you don't believe them, go ask your coworker tomorrow. Ask them what they think about you. Hello, somebody. Biggest lies and the most often lies we tell ourselves, or the biggest lies and the most often lies we tell are the lies we tell ourselves. See, God sees through us. God sees through our Sunday best. God sees through all the masks that we put on. God sees through all of that. And God knows who we are. But yet Christ took the penalty. See, he's a righteous judge. Sin had to be paid for. The wickedness of mankind had to be paid for. And there was two ways it could have been paid. By man himself being eternally damned forever in hell and separation from God. That's where Adam and Eve would have gone if there would not have been a plan of redemption. Adam and Eve would have gone to hell for eternity. And all of mankind, because God never starts something without knowing the end. So all the DNA that was in them to create us, these 6,000 years of human history, we would have been a part of their damnation. Your existence, like the time you came to your conscious mind sometime around 5 or 6, you would have came to a conscious mind in hell. If God would have done that to Adam and Eve. But God gave humanity a chance. He taught them the sacrificial code of the Old Testament. It may be boring at times, but it's important to understand. If you want a summary, read the book of Hebrews, and it will explain why they were killing animals, why there was blood that was being shed, why Moses had these commandments, why they had to dictate their life to the very clothes that they would wear and how they would garden. God was trying to get mankind to understand, you are far from my righteousness and perfection, and when you mess it up, things die. Animals die. Blood is shed. Get this picture in your mind so that two, uh, 4,000 years later at the perfect time in history the play was set all of the previous actors had come on the scene Jesus the star of the show could come and say I am the lamb slain before the foundation of the world when I am lifted up I will draw all men unto me for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world for the world was condemned already he came into the world to save the world that whoever would look to him and say my dad has been paid wash me clean Jesus would be saved and born again is anybody saved look at your neighbor and say that's a cool introduction let's get to the message are you ready for the message praise God let's uh, give me back control right here brother thank you let's go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 everybody say forgive look at your other neighbor and say it's the new F word amen when you hurt me, I'm just going to say F you. Every time you hurt me, I'm going to say F you. I forgive you. That's my new F word. Look at your neighbor and say there's a new F word in town. And it's called forgiveness. Every time you hurt me, I'm going to say I forgive you. You see, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive anybody who hurts me. Because bitterness... And unforgiveness is like drinking salt water. It will only make you more thirsty. It's like drinking poison. It will only harm you. Forgiveness is releasing of the pain. Forgiveness is not saying what someone else did is okay. Forgiveness is not saying that I approve of what you did. But forgiveness says, I understand what God has done for me, and I will extend that to you. Let then God be your judge. Because if I judge you with unforgiveness, then when I stand before God, he will judge me with unforgiveness. When I forgive you, I show that I understand that I've been forgiven. So we forgive because Christ first forgave us. 
Bitterness is not a poison worth drinking. Don't get bitter, get better. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. That's his words, not my words. Let's see this famous prayer in the Bible. Then this is how you pray. I know we've all learned the father, our Father prayer in our own way, but would you read it from the screen with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is the Lord's prayer. We see it there clearly, but I want you to see the very next verse after deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, Jesus continues to talk. He takes out one part of the Lord's prayer and emphasizes it to show how important this one part is and that you and I don't miss it. He said, for if you forgive others, uh, their sin, when you, uh, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive what? Your sins. Let's just take a deep breath and bring that home. There's a lot of things that have happened in your life, in my life. A lot of things that have hurt us. A lot of things that are wicked and evil and disgusting. But Jesus is talking to you and I right here, and he gets very serious with us. Because if you take being forgiven of your sins serious like I do, this is not to be passed over lightly. He says, this is how I'll know if you truly are forgiven. You will forgive others. Because if I don't see you forgiving in your heart be sure of this my father will not forgive you you see this is the kind of teaching that really sets Christianity back it would be so much easier for us to take a jihadic point of view of God you hurt me I'm going to hurt you you do something to me I'm going to do something to you but you see, Christianity goes one step further than even the moral code of the Old Testament that said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, I'm going one step further than other religions that want to fight in the name of God. Jesus says, I'm taking it one step further. I'm going to the depths of your heart, and I'm expecting you to change. But here's the thing. No man can do this by themselves. Now, you might be able to forgive me if I took your parking spot back there with all by yourself. You could say I could do that. But you cannot forgive, like how you're going to see the video of the church members forgiving the murderer unless you have Jesus in your heart. You're going to see that video. Some of you saw it on Facebook because I want you to see it today in our news, what is going on. This man walked into the Charleston church, killed nine people, and their family members forgave him publicly to demonstrate this scripture. Not because the young man deserved it. He doesn't deserve it. Not because he doesn't deserve to be punished. I would be one of the volunteers on the firing squad. I, I kid you not, I would volunteer to pull the trigger. I would do it with a clear conscience as unto God because God told us to punish violent criminals. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. But I would still be willing to forgive this man. And I can only imagine if I had lost my family, then only by God's grace could I. We're going to watch this video. 
It may be disturbing to some of you. Some of it's a bit hard to hear. But it's the hearing of his bond, and it's where he has to face the people's family that he murdered. Would you please play it for us? Today is June 19th, 2015. We have victims, nine of them. But we also have victims on the other side. There are victims on this young man's side of the family. Nobody would have ever thrown them into the whirlwind of events that they have been thrown into. We must find it in our heart at some point in time, not only to help those that are victims, but to also help his family as well. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgive you. And I forgive you. <clears throat> on the nine counts of murder, I do not have the authority to set bond on these charges. On the count, one count of possession of a weapon during the commission of the crime, a violent crime, I'm setting your bond, young man, at $1 million. Is there anything else to come before this court today in regards to this case? Hearing none, we stand concluded in this hearing. Thank you. The family member that was speaking up, you can go online and hear the rest of the family as well. But she said, God have mercy on your soul but I forgive you. You see, we look at this young man and we say he deserves the death penalty, and that's rightly so. He deserves punishment, and that's rightly so. But what we do not understand is that all of us in God's kingdom are traitors by our sin as well. Would you turn on the lights for me, please? We do not understand this because we compare ourselves to that murderer. And we think that murderer is our standard. So on judgment day, you're going to look good compared to that guy, right? I didn't kill anybody, Jesus. I never did what Hitler did. And we think that that man is our standard. So we don't see the fault in ourselves. But my friend, the standard on judgment day isn't a lunatic psychopath. The standard on Judgment Day is the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. That is who you will face, and if you are not His direct reflection of perfection, if you're not Christ's direct reflection of perfection, any sin out of place upon you, you deserve the wrath of God. Because one sin got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. God is perfect. We are not. We need someone to save us. This is what Jesus is teaching us. That's Jesus. This is not somebody making up something. This is the one who raised from the dead after being crucified and was seen by 500 of his followers. This is the one who turned the world upside down without ever lifting up a sword. This is the one whose book is more read in all of the world than any other book, but he never wrote a word down. This is the movement. 
that has changed the entire scope of education, creating the university system, the entire scope of health care, creating the hospital system, and the number one care provider of charity around the world. This is, his this is the founder, Jesus Christ himself. This is what he says to us. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your father forgives you. But if you don't forgive their sins, your father doesn't forgive your sins. Everybody say, God have mercy. Quickly, because I want to keep you short today because of the fathers. I want to honor them going with their families. I want you to see these four points today. Just write them down quickly. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Number two, remember your great debt. Number three, overcome evil with good. And number four, trust God. I'm going to teach you how to live in forgiveness. Are you all ready? I'm going to learn with you from the word of God. But are you ready to walk in forgiveness? Look what Hebrews 12, 14 says. It's right up on the board because I have to move a little quickly today. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. You can be running your race. You can be running your race for God and someone come in your life, even as a Christian, and cause you to miss the grace of God. For you to defile yourself in bitterness to grow up like a little seed on the inside of you. It starts with the little seed of unforgiveness. I remember this when I was in Bible college. I was a Christian. I loved God. I forgave my enemies. I, I, I went and did jail time because one of my stupid friends on LSD one time. I don't want to get into the story. But I forgave him. But when I was in Bible college, I started to think I knew more than the professors. I started to think I knew more than my teachers. I began to get self-righteous. No one would ever have that problem here, right? No one would ever think you know more than the pastors, elders, or deacons in this church, would you? No one would ever get self-righteous here, would you? And that little seed of bitterness just started to grow right in my heart. They don't treat you right. They're not nice to you. They don't do for you what they do for others. And I started to meditate on those things. I never murdered. I never stole. I was a pastor in training, smile on my face, but I began to get bitter towards my leaders. And a year after graduation, I remember talking to my mom on the phone, and it just slipped out of my mouth. And I said something about the leader of the school. I said something like, well, I just hate what he does or something just like that. And my mom caught it and she said, you better watch out. You're getting bitter. You better forgive him. You better let it go. But, 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 but mom, you don't understand. They had me work out in the pouring rain for 12 hours. I had to do a test the next day. You don't understand. He called me this. He said this about me. Mom, you don't understand. I hate what he does. And the next year went by, and I was miserable in my ministry. I was treating people terribly as a young 22-year-old pastor. I wasn't easy to get along with because I was hurting on the inside. And hurt people hurt people. And I was hurting people around me. But you never would have known, and you would have been happy. Joe's not on drugs. Joe's not doing this. He's been a Christian for three years. He's graduated Bible college. He works in the inner city of New Orleans. He looks great. But on the inside, there was this root of bitterness growing. 
And it was like a weed wrapping itself around my joy and wrapping itself around my peace. And it was choking me. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And I was hurting people. The staff that was working with me were being hurt. One of my friends came to me and he said, I don't like the way you talk to your staff. You don't talk to them right. And I said, it's none of your business how I talk to them. God sent them here to work with me. I'm in charge. And you see, the very thing that was done to me because I was so hurt, now I'm projecting it on others. They had nothing to do with it. And yet now because I'm hurt, I'm hurting them. And then one day, as God is my witness, I was sitting in a service with Sergio Scatellini from Argentina who wrote the book, The Fire of His Holiness. And he said this, it was a pastor's conference, and he said this. He said, pastors, I want every one of you to look up at me. If you are bitter right now, you are in danger of losing what you have with God. You are losing, you are in danger of losing the grace of God. And he said, pastors, I want to talk very specifically to you. He said, if you cannot bless the other pastors around you and the other ministers in your life and say, Lord, bless them more than you bless me, you are bitter. And I want you to come to this altar and repent right now. I literally ran to that altar because I felt my heart beating. I knew God was dealing with me. I was the first one there out of a crowd of 2,000 pastors. He noticed me. He actually brought me up on the stage and he said, young man, confess it to God right now. With tears streaming down my face, I confessed it. And instantly it felt like the chokehold of bitterness was broken off me. Instantly tears went down my face. He prayed for me. I fell down, went boom. Jesus ministered to me there at that altar in front of all of these people. But it didn't end there. Literally, right when that service was over, I called up the pastors that were working with me, Freddie and Sarah, and I began to tell them I'm sorry, and I said, things are going to change. And when we arrived, when I arrived back that next couple of days, I apologized to them in front of the church. And then that weekend, it was God's sovereign will that that weekend we were going on a retreat in front of the whole church at this retreat. I sat them down and washed their feet literally with tears coming down my eyes. And I said, I am sorry. But I hadn't apologized to the one that I was bitter towards. And God said, that's wonderful. But you have to apologize to the one you've talked about, to the one that's hurt you. And I had to call him up and apologize. Now, see, that's my story. Some of you may not have that same kind of story, but I want to tell you, do not miss God's grace because of unforgiveness. Do not let a bitter root grow up in you and it defile you because God's grace will be stopped in your life when you do not forgive. Forgiveness flows to you and through you, and when you stop it and don't let it go through you, it will not go to you. Now, some of you, I want to be very clear with you right now. Some of you may not have those same kind of conversations. If you were physically abused or mentally abused, listen to me. Report it. Get out of it. Put them in jail. I mean, do all of that. But you still have to forgive the abuser in your heart. It doesn't mean you sit down and have coffee with them. It doesn't mean that that person doesn't suffer judgment. If your situation is that severe or a part of your past, way back in your past, I'm telling you, you may never be in that person's life, and maybe it's not appropriate for you to talk to them, but I'm saying you've got to forgive them. Because that's what God said. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Somebody say, don't fall short. Here is the story about remembering your great debt. 
Jesus told this story. Everybody say Jesus. Can I stand by the fan right here? I'm getting a little bit hot. Can you get the rag out of my uh, office, please? My hot mama. Amen. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Just thought I would do that right now. We're on our 10-year anniversary. It's so much fun. It's Father's Day. It's a great day. Remember your great debt. Matthew 18, 21 through 35 tells you the story. Jesus told us the story. This is what he said. A man owed a king a lot of money, like a million dollars. He was in business. He went bankrupt. I, you know, bam, I only owed a few thousand dollars. This guy must have been a big business dude to own a million dollars. But you know what? He begged, thank you, and he was forgiven. Everybody say he was forgiven. Then that dude who had a million-dollar debt forgiven sees his friend, and his friend owes him one dollar. And he shakes his friend down. He says, give me my dollar. Give me my dollar. Man, you owe me a dollar. You know you owe me a dollar. Give me that dollar. When are you going to give me that dollar? To the point where he then files a lawsuit against a guy to go to jail for a dollar. The king hears about it and brings the guy before him and says, let me get this straight. Come here. I forgave you of a million dollars, and this person only owed you a dollar, and you couldn't even forgive him? The judge says this, throw this man and his family in jail and let him suffer until he pays me back every penny. That is the story of Jesus teaching us forgiveness. I mean, does that not burn on the inside of you? Don't you think Jesus knew that you and I would have jacked up people in our lives? People who would really hurt us. But yet he's telling us, if we understand all of our sins have been forgiven, then we should forgive their sins against us. Can I help you understand all the sins that God has forgiven you? Oh, it gets quiet. Can I hear an amen? Let's say at the age of seven, you become conscious of your life and you know good from evil. Let's say you live to 80 years old. 80 minus 7 is how many years of a conscious soul upon this earth? 73 years. How many times a day do you think you sin? How many lies do you think you tell a day? How many times do you think you've taken the name of the Lord in vain? Taken some that didn't belong to you? Put something before God? Lusted after someone you were not married to? Coveted what someone else said? Let's just say on a low number, you violate the commands of God three times a day. Three times a day you violate the commands of God. 365 days a year times 73 years times three violations against God is 79,935 violations God has against you. Even the most wicked sinner, even the most wicked, hideous person has not sinned against you that much. You may say, oh, they've sinned against me in ways I've never sinned against God, and that may be true, and God will sort out what happens to Hitlers and what happens to mass murderers. That may be greater in number. You may be, I mean, greater in depravity, greater in size, but not greater in number. Do you understand? When that man walked in there, how many sins did he do against them? How many sins did that man, the mass murderer in Charlotte, do against them? Murder, maybe racism, it's maybe four or five, right? Sins against them. You have 79,000 violations against your holy God. Those three may be bigger than the ones you have committed, but your God is your judge, and he says, I'm not counting that way. 
That's why you hear the woman say, I forgive you. Because she knows Jesus. And Jesus told her, I'll know that you're really forgiven by you forgiving others. You think she just said that to be a cliche? Do you think she just said that because she just, well, I'll just say, I'll just forgive you. She said that because she knows Jesus. Now you say, you don't understand what they've done to me because I can't think about these 79,000 things. All I can think of this molestation. All I can think of is this betrayal. Okay, I understand in that sense what you're saying, but I want to ask you a question. Put up the cross again. I want to ask you a question. I get your point. You've been hurt. People have let you down. Let me ask you a question. What did your Jesus say on this cross as the Son of God hung naked, whipped 39 times? What did he say to the world at this time? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is your example then. You want to tell me about your pain. I understand there is pain involved. I may not know your pain. I'm not pretending. But I'm saying this man knows your pain. And his words are, Father, forgive them. I can't paint the picture any clearer, my friend. Jesus said those words, and he says, put them in your mouth and say them in your heart if you want forgiveness, if you want the bitterness out of your soul. If you want the cancer of bitterness out of your soul, you have to forgive. You may say, Father, help me to forgive. You may say, I don't know how to forgive. I don't even know how to go through this. But you have to start where you're at and say, God, I'm willing to forgive. Please put the notes back up in closing. Jason, would you come, please? You have to remember your great debt. Number three, there was a man named Paul in the Bible. And this man named Paul, he was whipped and he was beaten and he was persecuted. You remember the Egyptian Christians that had their heads chopped off? He had his friends dying all around him. They were trying to kill him. And then this is what he says. He says, bless those who persecute you. I'm supposed to bless the Egyptians? Uh, rather, the, the ISIS terrorist, that's what Paul said. The man being beaten, he was beaten three times. And he said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Why? Because you're giving grace the same way God gives grace. Not merited upon what they do, but upon who you are. And if you're a child of God, you act like a child of God and you forgive. They don't deserve it and you give it anyways. Why? Because you didn't deserve it and God gave it to you. These are the words of the Bible. I'll live by them. Will anybody else live by them with me? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position, you know. Don't be cocky walking around like a peacock. Look at this. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's wrath. Let God judge them. He has the power of heaven and hell. Let God deal with them. He says, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome. Be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. We have a choice in this world. Are we going to fight evil with evil or fight good? Fight evil with good, rather. I believe in just war. I believe in the death penalty. This is talking about, though, when you have all of those offenses and hurts in your life. What are you going to do? You're not the judge. You're not the executionary. Are you going to walk around and keep it in your heart, or are you going to let it go? Let God deal with them. Let the godly governments and righteous standards deal with them. But in your heart, you're going to be like that woman that says, God, have mercy on your soul, but I forgive you. I won't let your bitterness, I won't let your pain turn into my bitterness. And lastly, trust God. Everybody say, trust God. Four ways to forgive. Don't let, uh, uh, four ways to walk in forgiveness. Don't fall short of God's grace. Depend upon him to do it. Remember your great debt and what God did for you. And number three, overcome evil with good. And then lastly here, trust God. Say it again with me. Trust God. Trust God. Jesus is telling us, I got you. I've got you. I can help you do this. I've got what it takes so you can do this. It's not impossible for you to do this. See, Peter thinks like most of us. Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and then said, How many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times, Jesus? See, he forgot his great debt. See, he has a debt of 79,000 sins against God. But he says, now, God, let's just talk a little bit. Really, let's be serious. Like, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? I mean, I'm only human. Nobody's perfect. You know, there's cray, cray people in the world, Jesus. Seven times. Seven, come on. I mean, like, you know in his mind, he's thinking he's pretty, like, righteous. Like, he didn't say one. He didn't say two. He's like, seven? What did Jesus say? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. How many times is that? Math whizzes, 490. 490 times to the same person. But that doesn't mean you have to sit down and keep doing the same thing with them. But how many times are you willing to forgive? How many times are you willing to say, God, I won't hold it against them? I may change my relationship with them. I may change how I function with them. I may not be doing the same kind of activities, but I will forgive them. Some people you got to give the gift of goodbye to. You got to say, I love you so much and I love Jesus so much that I want to go to heaven that I can't hang out with you anymore. Here's my gift. Happy anniversary and here's my gift. Goodbye. Sometimes you got to get people the gift of goodbye. You know, sometimes you just got a FEMO too, F-E-M-O, forgive them and move on. Amen. You ain't married to that guy and he keeps cheating on you, but I just got a FEMO, you forgive you and move on. Hello. I got to give some people the gift of goodbye. Just say, hey, goodbye. I don't need you in my life, but I will forgive you. Amen. Let's see if we understand these words better at this time than we did when I first read them. Isn't that my job as a pastor? It's certainly not to stand up here and be good looking like Dick Clark or something, right? Because I'd be failing at that. Thank God this is not the American idol of pastorship up here, of being a pastor. But let's see if I did my job. We started off with this scripture from Jesus, and I want to ask you now, do you understand this? 
Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, we should pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you believe you can do that with God's strength, would you stand to your feet? Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody. Do it because you believe it. If you believe it and say, I will forgive because I've been forgiven. Amen. Altar workers, would you come? Band, would you come? Let's just pray right now. God, we need your help to do this. We cannot forgive unless you first forgive us and teach us your ways. So right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, do you need God to forgive you of your 79,000 offenses towards him? Do you need to ask him for forgiveness so that you can personally experience it? The reason why Christians can do what other people cannot is because we have a true experience with forgiveness. We get how it works. We don't just think this is pie in the sky talking. It's a reality to us. Every head bowed and eyes closed. You need Jesus to forgive you. Start off praying saying this, Jesus, forgive me of, and name what you need forgiveness of right now. Talk to him like you mean it right now. Come on, it's not a library. Lift up your voice. Father, forgive me for... Father, forgive me for, come on, name it out. Father, forgive me for the way I talk to my wife. Forgive me for losing my temper with my kids. Come on, fathers, lead the way. Forgive me for lusting after the person I'm not married to. Forgive me for unwholesome words coming out of my mouth. Forgive me for getting drunk and abusing things. Forgive me, oh Lord, for being violent, tempered, angry, easily angered. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, God, for not always putting you first. Forgive me, God, for taking your name in vain. Forgive me, Lord, for the times that I complained and compared and criticized. Lord, forgive me for not being patient. Lord, forgive me for not always serving you as I should. 30 more seconds right now. Who needs forgiveness? The cross says, come and be forgiven. Come and be forgiven. Oh, forgive us, Lord. Just sing something like this from your heart. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Come on, he's just going to play as you're praying right now. Jesus, forgive us. Though our sins are great against you, forgive us. Forgive me, oh, Lord. Five more seconds. Get it out today. Forgiveness belongs to you. You can be forgiven. Amen. Now do this. Say, I forgive. Now name who you need to forgive right now. Name it out. I forgive my dad for not being there in my life. If that's you and you're missing out on a good dad and it's Father's Day, and if you want to be real honest, you're bitter towards your father, and he, he let you down and he wasn't there for you, God says, forgive him. You're here today and somebody abused you, somebody hurts you, and yes, God's wrath is against them. They are under a curse until they repent. But I challenge you today to say, I forgive my abuser. I do not approve of their behavior, but I forgive them just as God forgave me. Come on, who are you going to forgive? Say it out. I forgive and name it right now. I forgive. I forgive my Bible college president. I forgive him, right? Come on. 
Don't pretend like you don't have anybody to forgive right now. I forgive my coworker. I forgive my neighbor. I forgive. I forgive in Jesus' name right now. Forgive 30 seconds. Sing it out, Ishmael. Thank you. But come on, forgive because you are forgiven. Forgive because you are forgiven. Aren't you happy there's a church that cares about your soul today? Don't be in a hurry, friends. Come on, forgive, forgive, forgive. You want to. You want to go to heaven. You want to be free. Forgive. Five more seconds right now. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I won't let bitterness get a hold of my heart. I won't let it in Jesus' name. Now, if you could, in closing, last Holy Ghost exercise. You guys like Holy Ghost aerobics? Come on, just don't hit anybody in the head. I've been keeping my eyes closed the whole time. You got to get good at Holy Ghost aerobics. You can do it with your eyes closed. Now, just raise up your hands and thank God for His grace. Come on, gracias, Senor, for your grace. You forgive me, I forgive them. Thank you for your grace. You forgave my sins, I forgive their sins. Gracias, Senor. Gracias, Senor. You forgave my violations, I forgave their violations. Hallelujah, for your grace. You forgave my debts, I forgave their debts. Hallelujah. Come on, get it in your spirit. Gracias. Say thank you. Say it however you need to today. We're thankful for the amazing, undeserved grace of God. And let's sing it in closing, amazing grace. Just a little bit differently, but let's sing it in closing. Amazing grace, how, how sweet the sound. And put up the words for us, please. Wretch like me. Sing that part again. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved wretch like me. One more time. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved I once was lost. I once was lost, but now I found. I see amazing grace. How sweet the sound that We're going to sing this part when we've been there a thousand years. Put it up. But before we do, I want us just to think about this in closing today. When we get to heaven, we'll see this earth the way God already sees it now. When we get to heaven, we'll see this earth the way God already sees it now. And you know how God sees it? He sees it as everything in your life working for your good. You don't get to connect the dots yet. You and I don't see it yet. But God sees it now.
And he says, trust me, everything that you've been through that was in, in the moment for your harm, anything that you suffered that in the moment caused you pain is working for your eternal good. All things work together for good for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God sees it now. You'll see it then. And that's why I want us to sing the second part of this verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we'll know less days to sing your praise than when we, than when we, when did you first begin singing his praise and not letting the turmoil of this world hold you down? When did you begin to start seeing God in the midst of your trouble? When did you start understanding that your setback was your comeback? When did you start understanding that whatever things you went through, God turned for your good? You see, you can start it today and see it from God's perspective because when you're there, you'll understand it. Let's have God's kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven right now. Come on, when we've been there, there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Sing it out, saints. Come on, if you believe it, when we've been there. So free from our problems. When it's all away from us. Perfect in Christ. We've no less days to say your praise than Amazing grace, one last time, amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This but now I see. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to call up one of the people that I know who have had to forgive so many times in their life. Somebody in this church who has experienced hurt. Somebody in this church who has experienced pain, but they forgave. I want to ask them to close out in prayer. I want to ask Ellie to come forward. Ellie, did you ever know your father? Little bit? Come on up. Was your mom on drugs? Did you feel abandoned as a young person? Did you find yourself alone in life? Is it okay if I tell your story? This is our youth pastor, not a stranger, just like men out on the street. Did you know your dad? Someone. What does it feel like Father's Day? I know you're, you got the best father, but on the inside, when you think about all these guys having fathers, my dad over there, what, what do you think about Father's Day like that? I think it hurt. He didn't know him really well. Kind of left you alone, didn't he? Mom's on drugs. Talk about that for 30 seconds. Um, my father left when I was a baby. I saw him maybe every year for like a week, and that was it, and that's just been our relationship. My mom herself, she she grew up in the 60s, and she was just hooked on that, that drug thing, and she's been like that ever since. Did you forgive him? Of course. You're reaching young people now, aren't you? You're a youth pastor, 50 to 60 kids here every week, right? 
What would you say to every young person right now missing their mom, missing their dad, having some stuff going on in their life that they can't explain, they don't know if God's there? What would you tell them? Even adults going through that, what would you tell them? That God is much better than any kind of love you can experience in this world, better than any father, mother, husband, wife. And uh, his love is satisfies. His love heals and satisfies and casts out all pain, all, all the hurts that you may have. Amen. Our altar workers will be here for you. Before you leave, if you need prayer, will you let them pray for you? And if you just need someone to hug you, to love you, let us do that as well. Because hugs are free around here. Would you pray for our congregation? Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you because you are an active God, a God that loves us so much. You, you're the one who wanted us. You're the one who created us and had a purpose for us. You're the one who had set all the days before us, Lord. And we, we owe it all to you, God, before even we have our own parents, God. We owe it all to you, Lord, because you wanted us. You wanted to be with us. You wanted to fellowship with us, God. Today, God, in this time, all the things that have happened this weekend, God, we still look to you. I pray, Lord, that we would seek after you. We would go after you in such a, a palpable way, God, that we would be hungry for you, hungry for the love that you have, that our, and if we need to forgive in our lives, God, that we would forgive, that we would not be so stubborn and so hard-hearted and so closed off to actually forgive, God. Because we've been forgiven by you, Lord. So I pray today, God, that we would seek that, God. That we would seek your face. That we would give forgiveness to those who have made mistakes or made things against us, God. And that we would go after you in pure love and in unity, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Slap your neighbor high five and say amazing grace. God bless you. You are dismissed. Fathers, have a great day. If you need prayer, come on up. We want to love on you. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Ain't nobody like our God. He forgives. He transforms. Yes, God. We have the best dad in the whole world. In the whole world. Jesus. We have the best dad in the whole world. In the whole world. God, those who are getting prayed for right now, I just pray you pour out your spirit of love. Pray you love on them, God. Be their father today in many ways. Oh, thank you for each one of those who came up. And those who are leaving, continue to bless them throughout their day. In Jesus' name. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. You are not alone.